Ah, I was actually planning on not opening like this, but that song was just perfect. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. And powerful lyrics. Maybe we can sing it again afterwards, I don't know. I'm kind of lost at the moment. Back to my notes. I love being a father. I love being a father. Uh, Gabrielle and I have a little girl called Hadassah. Uh, she turned two a few weeks ago, and over the past few years, it has just been awesome, awesome to watch her grow and watch her develop. And probably in the past year or so, the more she's got language, you know, the more independent she's trying to become, the more fun she is, the more she pushes the boundaries. Uh, but it has just been incredible. It's an incredible privilege to, to watch a little human grow. And it's been an education for me uh, in a lot of ways, uh, but one of them which I've really appreciated is becoming a father and understanding a little bit more, experiencing the Father, God, in a different way, and also what it means for me to truly be his son, to be a son of the Father. You know, for some of you, you would have had and do have an amazing relationship with your earthly dad. For me, I'm, I'm super blessed to have an amazing dad, a faithful, kind, funny, just wonderful man, set an amazing example for me and my brothers. And for that, I'm deeply thankful. I'm incredibly conscious that for so many watching today, the word father isn't so lovely. The word father maybe brings a lot of pain. Maybe you were abandoned by your dad. Maybe you never knew him. Maybe dad was physically present at home, but emotionally checked out. And I know for some of you, maybe you even suffered at his hands. And I know it's not the usual way to begin a message about father, heart of God, but whenever we approach uh, matters about God, and particularly in this, when, when, when God has, has a title or a name that directly uh, is correlated to an experience on earth, because of our fallen nature, our view of him as father is tainted, is tarnished by our earthly experience. Whether you had an amazing father or not, your earthly dad is nowhere near as amazing and perfect and wonderful as God is. And, and there's things that maybe you've been taught in a different church or a church growing up that has somehow skewed your view of God. And so your perception of the father isn't what it should be. There's a great quote by John Calvin who said, there is nothing that troubles our consciences more than when we think that God is like ourselves. You know, the other day I was doing a puzzle with Hadassah. It was a 12-piece, so pretty technical. Uh, but we, uh, you know, she was struggling to make two bits fit together. And you know, I, I kind of wanted her to do it herself. And I was like, look, darling, how about, you know, if, oh, I, can, I can help you. And she was like, no, 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 no. She wanted to do it herself. And so... And then I was like, look, how about you, you give me the piece, I'll, I'll turn it around so it's actually going to fit, and then you can put it in. So she handed me the piece, and then I turned it around, and then she lost it. She's like, no, 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 no. And then my fuse grew really short, and I just said, fine, Hattie, do it your own way. And then she looked at me, and she goes, no crying, dada. And I, <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh in that moment at myself for how petulant I was being to a two-year-old. But in that moment, deeply thankful that God is not like me. Wow. 
that God is not like me. There is no short fuse with the Father. There's not one moment when God says, fine, Jerem, do it your own way. God is not like us. And it is so critical that we understand who the Father truly is because it shapes how we relate to him as children. Simon mentioned it last week as we go through this pillar series. The hope is that we get a fuller picture of who God is because it will change how we relate to him. If we have a view that God is some sort of cosmic policeman just sort of just watching, waiting for us to make a mistake so he can whack us over the head, we're not going to relax. We're not going to be at rest in his presence as Father, if, if your view as God is that he is all love, there's no justice, no discipline, nothing, nothing strong or hard about him, then you're going to have a really hard time reconciling suffering in this world. And you're probably going to lack a bit of resilience in your faith too. And so I want us to take some look at the evidence of Scripture about why we call him Father, the role our Father takes. And then I want us to come to his very heart, all in about uh, 18 minutes. So let me pray. Our Father, how wonderful that we can call you Father. Lord, I'm, I'm conscious that the words I'm about to share are, are going to, um, God, I pray that they will have your power attached to them, the power to change lives, Lord. It is, it is not what I'm saying. It is the power of your word. And so God, Make your word powerful today. Accomplish the purposes that you have for it, Lord. Be glorified, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Father, the first person of the Trinity. And, and last week, it's really helpful, Simon brought us a way of trying to explain or at least have a, have a framework of understanding how to describe the Trinity and, and who God is, this three-in-one God. And super helpful three points. If you can get these in your mind, they'll be really, really helpful. We believe that God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, identical in nature, equal in glory, distinct in role. And there are three ways that Scripture mainly looks at why we call God Father. The first is that he's the father of Israel in Exodus 4.22. And in in Moses' appeal to Pharaoh, God speaking through Moses to let my people go, God says it's because Israel is my firstborn son. God is, uh, the Father is also the Father of Jesus. Uh, after Jesus' baptism, when he came up out of the Jordan, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And finally, he is the Father of Christians, all who would believe. And in uh, John 1.12, Yet to all who received in him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So how is the Father distinct? If he's identical in nature, equal in glory, how is he distinct in his role from Jesus and the Holy Spirit? We call the Father the first person of the Trinity because it is from him that all things are generated. We see this in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, but there is one God, the Father, from whom all things come. The Father from whom all things come. 
The Father is also the supreme and sovereign ruler. 1 Chronicles 29.10, it says, Yours, Lord, yours, Lord, Father, Yahweh, is the, great, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, Father, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head Overall, This is the beauty of the Trinity. They are identical in nature. They are equal in glory, all three persons, but there are functions that each of them perform. There are things the Father does that the Son and the Spirit don't do. The Father didn't die on the cross. Jesus did. Jesus isn't the one who empowers you for holy living, for righteous living. That is the Holy Spirit's role. See this beautiful nature, our God, three in one. There is equality, but there is distinction in how they relate to us. And so I think it's probably helpful here to to look at a strong Trinitarian passage in Scripture that shows the wonder of the Trinity, but really marvels at the distinctiveness of the Father, but in beautiful harmony with the Son and the Spirit. So if you you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians 1. uh, Otherwise, the text will be on the screen. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus in Turkey. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Paul starts by saying that this is the Father. The Father has blessed us. The Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And every spiritual blessing can be taken as every blessing of the Holy Spirit through Christ. There in one verse, Father, Spirit, Son, working together. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. For he, the Father, chose us in him before the creation of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus watching this today, the Father chose you from before the creation of the world. In eternity past, he looked forward and he says, I see you, Simon, and I'm going to choose you. And I'm going to make you my son. Before Simon was born, before he did anything, before he said anything, God saw him and chose him to be his son. It is the Father who chooses. In love, he, the Father, predestined us for adoption to Sunthrope through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It is the Father who predestined us for adoption to sonship. It is the Father's role to look forward, to look at all who will be made and says, I'm going to choose them to become part of my family. This is the Father's role. It is He who makes those actions. And if that wasn't enough, Paul continues to lay it on. He says, it is the Father who lavished grace on us. Lavished grace on us. This is a role of the Father. It is the Father who made known to us the mystery of His will. It is the Father's will that is continuing the story on, and it is He, the Father's particular role, to reveal that to us according to His good pleasure. In Him, in Jesus, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him, God, the Father, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Everything. The Father works out everything. Every action, every hair falling from your head, every sparrow in every nest, everything, God works out according to his will. It is the Father who is the one moving the story along. 
It's 12 verses there at the start of Ephesians of just ever-increasing wonder, the glory and wonder of who the Father is, of the role that he plays and the beautiful harmony he has with the Spirit and the Son. And there is a phrase repeated twice in that passage that I really think draws us into the very heart of the Father. And this is where I want us to, to spend the next few moments. It's verse 5 and verse 9, and it says, The Father did these things according to his good pleasure. The Father delights. The Father finds satisfaction and enjoys saving fallen people, redeeming sinful people, inviting them into his family. He takes pleasure in this. Why? It's because it's who he is. It's because it's who the Father is, and it's who he revealed himself to be and to Moses in Exodus 34, 6, when God passes by Moses and he proclaims his name, and he says, I am the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Notice the way that God the Father describes himself. He says, I am the gracious and compassionate God. He doesn't say he is the just and punishing God, not even the peaceful and lovely God. When he, is, when he explains the very nature of who he is, he said, I am gracious and I am compassionate and I am slow to anger. This is who God is. And you know, I think that that's something that we know and we believe and we can give our intellectual assent to and say, yeah, I agree with that. I know that. But I think perhaps to believe it and live in it is something more. You know, I often hear from skeptics or, or questions from seekers uh, that draw attention to an apparent difference between this angry God of the Old Testament and this loving, more friendly God in the New Testament. And people often tend to create a false dichotomy between Father and Jesus, mistakenly sort of pitting them against each other, that in some ways Jesus is more likely or more desiring to forgive than the Father. That the Father is just some angry, uh, malicious deity who wants to squash us, except Jesus comes in at the last minute. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going I'm to save you. It's not the case. It's not what the Scripture teaches. The Father... It's the same in the Old Testament as the New Testament. His heart and Jesus' heart are exactly the same. Exactly the same. The love of the Father, the love of the Son, is the same love. God of the Old Testament has not changed. Now I want us to, to see that in Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, verse 20. Here God is, is speaking to his people Israel. And he says, is not Ephraim, Ephraim is another name for Israel in the scriptures, is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I delight? Though often I speak against him, I still remember him. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. God has spent much of the first 29, 30 chapters of Jeremiah then chastising the people of Israel for their rebellion, just the horror of their sin uh, against him. And yet, 
He comes here and God says, the Father says, though often I speak against him, though often I tell him that he shouldn't, that the way that he's living and the way that, that Israel responds to me is distasteful to me, look at what he says. Is not Israel my dear son, the child in whom I delight? The child in whom I delight. And then look at how he describes his heart. He says, my heart yearns for him. Do you have room in your theology for a God whose heart yearns, whose heart aches for his son, for his children, for you? God's heart aches, yearns for you. And he says, I have great compassion on him. In the book of Lamentations, also written by Jeremiah, he's pouring out a... a, uh, a, a lament, that's why it's called Lamentations, a lament to God about the pain and suffering that he sees. And at the high points in the book of Lamentations, it's chapter 3, verse 33, he says, God the Father does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Saying that, yeah, God, everything that happens, God brings about. But the hard things that happen in life, the suffering, the discipline, the hardness, the the trials that we go through don't actually flow from his heart. It is not what he desires most strongly. God's heart aches for his people. It is a tender heart. This is the God of the Old Testament. Have you seen him before? We see him in the New. In the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus shares to explain what the father is like. It's a story where uh, Jesus tells a story of a man who says to his dad, I want my inheritance, essentially saying, I wish you were dead. And his father gives it to him and he goes off to a distant land, squanders it in sinful wild living and then finds himself destitute. He's wallowing in the, in the mud with the pigs and he thinks, oh man, this sucks. I, I guess I'll go home to dad and maybe he'll hire me as a, as, a, as a servant. And he makes his way home and, and what does the scripture say? I'm spoiling the story here. Scripture doesn't say that while he was a long way off, he came forward and the father said, oh, you're back, are you? Had a good time? Had a good time squandering my money? I guess you can stay, get in the back room. What does he say? Oh, it's you. It's you, is it? You're back. No. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him the son who lived a wild, reckless life, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him, and kissed him. The father, the father, our father, his most natural disposition towards his children is not an open hand. It's outstretched arms. It's what he wants. It's who he is. And I think our, my heart, our hearts are dehydrated with thirst for a revelation of who the Father is. You know, for me, it's been a really interesting summer as I've uh, pondered my own perceptions of the Father. And I've been reading this book. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And reading this has been really helpful in, in my preparation for, for today. And it's confronted me quite in stark ways with my own perceptions of my Heavenly Father. And I didn't think I had any issues. 
You know, to be perfectly honest with you, I know God loves me without a shadow of a doubt. I know it. I know he loves me. But what I've actually realized is that I have the... I guess I believe that I frustrate him and disappoint him. Honestly. I, I don't know where it comes from, but I, I, I wonder if I... The disappointment I feel with myself so often... I project onto the Father and think, if I feel like this, how must he feel about me? If I'm disappointed in my behavior, how much more disappointed must he be? If I'm aggrieved by my sin, how much more must he just be sick and tired of me? You know, that really does have tangible consequences for my life, and maybe you, you resonate with it. You know, the times when I think that God is just getting a little bit fed up with me, I withdraw. I'm not going to go running to him. When things are, are going well, I'm going to be thinking, man, when are they going to start going bad? I, I deserve something to go bad. You know, I still find myself even now just second guessing how he feels about me in really stupid little ways. I'll sit down on the couch at the end of the day and I'll have a novel in the Bible and I'll think, he probably wants me to read the Bible, but I really just want to read this book. And, or times when a door opens for a spiritual conversation and I don't take it, I can just, I can just, I feel like God is there watching, going to the angels, ah, look at him. Just, he just did it again. How much longer? Come on, man. Come on. That's how I feel sometimes. And that is absolutely wrong. And what's the problem? It's not him. <laughs> it's me. It's me. It's my orphan heart that still has a tendency to want to perform for the Father. To earn, to earn my place in his family. To earn my keep. It's something that I'm working on and, and trying to... <laughs> trying to do, do better, God. But you know what I know? I know God is saying, I hear him saying it through his word and, and through this book that I've been reading. And he says, stop. <laughs> stop, Jerem. Stop performing. Stop trying. You're my son. You're in the family. You're already here. Just be my son. Just be with me. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to be my son. It's exactly the same reaction I would have if Hattie wanted to try and clean the house or do something to, to earn her position as my daughter. I would just say, darling, you are my daughter. You don't have to do anything. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. No matter your experience of fathers in this life, God is your perfect heavenly father forever. So run to him. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter the pain you feel at the moment, no matter the suffering and the sin that you're in, God's heart towards you doesn't change. God does not have a short fuse. He is not going to run out on you. He is Father forever. His affection is on you. The problem is always at our end. Always on our end. His arms are open wide and he loves you. 
He really loves you. He really loves you. I want to finish with this lovely quote from Dane Orland. Through his son, he drew near to us when we hated him. Will he remain distant now that we hope we can please him? He eagerly suffered for us when we were failing as orphans. Will he cross his arms over our failures now that we're adopted as his children? His heart was gentle and lowly towards us when we were lost. Will his heart be anything different towards us now that we're found? Father, we marvel at your heart. Father, I again repent of my misguided notions of you for holding out on you, Lord, for not allowing myself to receive your love. Thank you that you are my Father forever and that your heart yearns for me and for every person listening now, Lord, your heart yearns for them. Reveal yourself to us, I pray, Lord God. I pray for every single person listening right now that they would have a revelation of your heart for them, the Father's heart. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. It's because of Jesus. Amen.